You're listening to Two Guys Talking Wine with Michael Pincus and Andre Pru. All right, I'm back in the studio, and uh, as previously mentioned, uh, my podcast partner, Andre Pru, is out gallivanting the world. And as payback, I guess, for when I was in Australia last year, uh, I have brought people in to talk with me uh, because I can't talk to myself and just have an empty chair. Uh, there are some uh, uh, actors I know who have talked to an empty chair. Uh, that's Clint Eastwood. But um, I can't do that myself. So uh, being that Andre brought in three different men to fill the chair, I have decided to bring in three different women. And today uh, I am thrilled and excited to uh, have somebody who... Uh, isn't just working at one winery. She works at, I want to say you work at three, right? Yeah. Yeah, she's nodding her head, so that doesn't really work on a podcast, but I know this is her first, and she is a little bit nervous. This is Kelly Mason. Uh, of Kelly, want to introduce yourself, who you work for, what you do? Yeah, sure. Uh, so my name's Kelly Mason, and I work for uh, Domaine Kalus, uh, Hansberger, and The Farm. And I also have a small vineyard that, in my spare time, I tend to my own vines. So you're you're not busy at all. Not at all. No, not at all. nothing to do. I'm six so. out of seven days a week, easily. So easily. you thought to yourself, "Look, I'm going to sit in a podcast, and we'll talk about what I don't do." Right. That'd be quick. Okay. So there we go. So uh, we have some wine in front of us, as we always like to have. But uh, one of the wines we don't have is from the farm. So the farm will start mm -hmm. there sure. because that's kind of your newest project. Am yes. I correct on that? Okay. So let's start there and then we'll go with the stuff that's more, more established. Okay. So the farm. Tell us a little bit about what the farm is. The farm is a really exciting uh, project, uh, I think, for the family and also for myself. Uh, it's a really small craft winery that we're just starting to create. It's about uh, 600 cases. Uh, we're bringing out a Chardonnay this year. Oh, wow, that's exciting. So really looking forward to that. Uh, and it's uh, generally Pinot Noir focused, and we're getting Pinot Noir off of the uh, Newdorf Vineyard which is the ex la petite colline from uh, le clos jordan correct so, so great so, site and that was and that was planted by the newdorf family yeah that was planted by vincor back in uh, in 2002 and then when when le clos closed up then clos closed up that's right yes <laughs> um, they they i guess got got the vineyard back yes and then so where does how big is that vineyard well that vineyard is uh eight acres and when leclo uh closed up uh Calus got part of the vineyard uh on a long-term lease and the family also gets some of those grapes back got it so you make 600 cases a year which is not a heck of a lot no. uh, of wine and um and and what's the fo you said the focus is primarily pinot so what are you making Pinot-wise there? So we're making um, three labels. One we just call uh, the Black Label, and that's in a lot of restaurants right now in Toronto and Niagara. And then we make um, the Newdorf White Label, and then um, we make the Mason White Label And the as Mason well. is actually from your own yes. vineyard. Yes, yes. And so with, with 600 cases, there's obviously not a lot of wine to sell. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, if people are interested in getting this wine, mm-hmm. what's the way to do it? Obviously, go to a restaurant that has For it. For sure, yeah. Right. Uh, yeah, and you can try the black label. Uh, the best way to get it is just to go online, um, and you can uh, click on and log into their email and get their get on their email list, and that way they will contact you, and you can sign up for their once-a-year party that they so, have. So that's what it, it yeah. happened, actually, in the fall. There was yeah. a once-a-year open house. It was a lot um, of fun. And it's, it's interesting because that sounds very similar to what 13th Street used to do when they were starting out when they were the four Mm -hmm. guys that just had 13th street i think they opened in the fall and they opened in the spring they basically Mm -hmm. made their wine they opened uh, saturdays i think um opened one saturday in the fall they had a big party Mm -hmm. and then if one of them was still kicking around you could also walk in on the sunday but it was always on the saturday in the fall and one in the spring and then that was it you never saw their wines again or I think on their website, as they got as they got a little, let's call it, made more wine or made mm-hmm. a little bigger, it was by hook or by crook. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? If you phoned up and somebody was there and it happened to be a Tuesday, then guess what? You, you can come in. But um, that's how they used to do it. So yeah. I, I like that model. It, it makes mm-hmm. the wines very exclusive, very interesting. Yeah, keeps us focused. So uh, the Chardonnay also sounds interesting. Where's the Chardonnay yeah. going to come from? Uh, so the Chardonnay is 20-mile bench. Uh, so that's really fun for us because we're staying with a lot of bench fruit. Where is the Mason Vineyard? Uh, 20 Mile Bench. Got it. Um, and that's your own little piece of heaven, correct? It is. It. Yeah, it's uh, four acres of grapes. There, th- uh, Well, actually, it's five acres. I planted a fifth one uh, last uh, spring. And it's all And female? I planted to Chardonnay last year. Yeah, oh. Clone 76. So I'm going to have some bench white. It's a, it's a completely red vineyard. Uh, until I planted the Shard last year. Got it. So four acres of Pinot. Five. Yeah, five yeah. acres of Pinot. And Cab Franc. So there's, for simplicity, let's just say there's two of Pinot and two of Cab Franc. Okay. And there's one of Chardonnay. Got it. All right. That's probably the simplest way to do it. Yeah, because there is another varietal in there, but we don't need to talk about that one. So, uh, I won't say a thing about it. <laughs> so, so you work for the farm, for Kalus, Hansberger. Yeah. You, you, you do your own vineyard. Yeah. Is, is there a, a Mason wine in your future? Have I asked something I shouldn't? No. Um, I always said there's going to be a Mason wine. Uh, I'm having so much fun with the three projects right now. And the ability to be able to grow Pinot Noir and sell it to the farm and make it for the farm is really gratifying. Um, Kalus just bought my Cab Franc this year. Nice. So they're going to do, uh, we're hoping, I mean, it's just a baby right now in barrels, but the objective would be to do uh, a single vineyard with that as well in Cap Franc. Nice. So maybe down the road somewhere there might be. Got um, it. And we won't see any Chardonnay from for about three years. Yeah. Okay. So you have brought a nice little, uh, you must know my love of Cab Franc. Yes. So here we are. Mine we have, too. I'm looking at three Cab Francs. So two from Hansberger and one from Kalus. Where do you think we should start? And then we'll talk about each wine, and we'll talk about the projects that, that go behind them. Okay, sure. Um, well, first, I'm going to start by saying I have a cold, so I'm sorry to the listeners because I'm sure I sound really I you sound, nasally. You sound fine. So, um, you know. And my palate, we're going to lean on you heavily here, oh, your great. expertise, Michael. Okay. So, um, so where should we start? So we've got 15 and 16 reserves. Uh, I would start with the 15 reserve. 15. Okay. I think these are two amazing vintages. Okay, so 15 reserve, not the 14 reserve. Right. No, let's go with the 14. 14. So while we're doing that, I did pull something out of my cellar, which is the original 14 no, Hansberger. It's my last bottle. And I thought, you know what? Uh, it's kind of a surprise. I didn't I didn't even tell her it was coming. 
Oh, sh- that's I so should've. much fun. So uh, we're going to open the 14 regular and compare it to, to the reserve and see how. Oh, this is Thanks, Michael. Hey. This is great. Uh, I've really watched the 14 evolve. I have not had the regular 14. In a while. Oh, at least a year and a half. Got it. So here we are. Pouring the 14. So tell us a little bit about Hansberger then while we're pouring some of their, yeah. their wine. Uh, Hansberger is a, a small family project as well, but um, we've been making wine together since 2012. And we started out just making two barrels of Cab Franc, and it was like a, uh, a side project. The family had already planted the vineyard in 2008 to Cab Franc and Riesling, and they were selling to Fielding Estate and... I think they also sold to Cave Springs, but they just were not making their own wine in-house. They were just selling the grapes, and they were also doing weddings, and as time passed in 2012 came around, they thought about maybe making some wine so that they could have it in-house as well. So that's sort of when the project started with two barrels of Cab Franc, and now we're we're growing it's, it's a lot how, of fun. So two barrels, that would be, uh, let's say, it's 50 cases. Is yeah, that correct? and I was an intern at Le Clos Jardin when at I was time. doing that. So they gave me, like, my first chance to, to make two barrels of Cabernet Franc in 2012, which was a stellar vintage. Okay, so we have 50, uh, 50 cases when yeah. they first come out the, of the gate. Yeah. And what are they making now? Uh, 300. So it's still a very yeah. small. So you're it's on small. The, So with, with the farm, you're making 600. Yeah. With Hansburg, you're, you're making... Uh, 300. Yeah, so, yeah. And there's obviously a chance to grow in there a little bit. There is, because they're selling fruit right now. So Good. we can always hold back some of that for our own production. I think right now we're just going to focus on uh, first always quality. Over, we tend to sell out. So I think as the demand increases, we have the opportunity to supply it. So yeah, 300 cases is what we make at Hansberger just for the Cabernet Franc. Uh, but our total production is also growing and has been growing. And we're at about 1,000 cases now. So we've got the uh, regular, the, and this one wasn't even VQA. Yeah. Uh, no, no, it was, no. Uh, they are. Uh, this one is. Okay, so one of the one of the reserves yeah. is is VQA, but this is before VQ, they uh, decided to do anything with yeah. VQA. This is a 2014, just says Jordan Ontario yeah. Cabernet Franc, and this is the the older label too. For anybody who's gone to Hansberger, it's the one with the. It looks like an upside down tree, but I understand it, it's, it's roots. The roots, yeah. But it does look like an upside down tree that's a little bit cockeyed. So, 14, tell us a little bit about the 14 vintage, because um, this is, like, if I remember 14, uh, not a super fantastic vintage. No. Uh, kind of a wet vintage, um, not one that anybody looks back on with a lot of favorability. So, um, I think I think this has got uh, uh, the tobacco notes that I mm-hmm. expect from, from Cabernet Franc. Mm-hmm. There's a little bit of that foresty floor uh, mm-hmm. going on. Uh, it is, you know, four years, five years old now, being 2019. Mm-hmm. But it is, um, and and it's I, I, obviously also it's it's been in bottle for a bit. Mm. How's it aging for you? Because I can't get to the nuances of that with my cold. Um, I think right. I think it's a good drink now kind of wine. And I have to be honest. I never thought the 14s were going to age exceptionally well anyway. But the primary mm-hmm. fruit is, is pretty much uh, in the in the background, um, but definitely. But there's no. It's not a lot of oak, right? Mm-hmm. Which is nice. Right. Mm-hmm. So th- that's where I think this wine is, is really shining because it now shows more of the grape characteristics 
on the in, in tertiary form. So mm -hmm. we're getting a lot of that tobacco. Uh, we are getting the forest floor. We are getting the dried, uh, dried cranberries mm -hmm. that that go along with this. So I think it's aging, aging well. But I think it's ready to go. Yeah. You with a cold, unfortunately, which is probably a detriment to a winemaker. Yeah. Doesn't work for you. Yeah. So. It's uh, really you got to watch your health because the timing of a cold for right now. I made it through harvest without getting sick uh, at all, which was amazing. Because um, obviously we work like 90, 80, 90 hour weeks. It's amazing you all don't get sick during harvest. It's amazing. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the team did. Um, and so I was just grateful for my health. And then I coast through Christmas. Everything's fine. And then just get hit this week. But we're blending. Oh, now? So this is just as serious. So I have to get better by Monday because we're blending. <laughs> if anybody has any recommendations for really good drugs, oh, I yeah. think. Are you not a drug taker in any oh, way, I'll take No, give it to me. Yeah, you want it. Oh, okay. I know my wife does not want anything to do. She's a nurse, doesn't want anything to do with any kind of pills or anything. She goes, oh, let me suffer through it. And oh, I'm no. like, uh, no, no, I just want everything. Just, yeah. Just yeah. throw it on me. Mm -hmm. Your drug of choice. Uh, that sounds bad. My new, no, because my new thing, I just discovered I had allergies over the summer and I discovered Benadryl. Yep. And I can sleep really well on Benadryl. Okay. So now I'm liking Benadryl. Okay. Uh, but otherwise, my go-to is Neocitrin. Oh, uh, my mine is always um, Advil, cold and sinus. Love that stuff. Mm. Don't know why. It just always clears me. Just right tried up. that this week. Uh, non drowsy during the yeah. day. It works. Yeah, mm -hmm. works well. And then um, uh, Buckley's is also a good little. Buckley's is great. Uh, it tastes like crap, but yeah. it works. Great for coughs. Yeah. Coughs. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think that I think Panic. this uh, 2014 is is probably where I would expect a mm -hmm. 14 to be. I wish I could get a little more into it with you on what I'm tasting to see how it's coming along. Um, I, I remember the vintage, and you're right, like winemakers when we get together after we talked about it, and it was a bit of a challenge. Um, I, I remember liking it for Pinot, for sure. Oh, for, for sure. 14. Yeah. Uh, Red, and it, cool. Yeah, and yep. it was great. And, and you just sort of, I think when you have vintages like that, it's really about the vineyard. And can you push it in the vineyard? Can you see it ahead of time? And have you green harvested or have you dropped Cab Franc to be able to get it? And this site has always been fantastic for Cabernet Franc. So it would also have been not technically a short crop, if I'm not mistaken. But no, we did have it, it was a it was a bit of a short yeah, crop. Yeah, because we did have those 13. winters of mm -hmm. thir the 13 and 14, and then 14, 15 really knocked it out. Yeah, it knocked it out oh, of yeah. the park for for uh, for uh, I guess yeah. uh, a short crop. Yeah, but 15 ended up being a great vintage. Yeah. So um, so you got short crop kind of situation mm -hmm. here and a vintage that was yeah. coming off of 13, which was probably our most prolific tonnage-wise. Yeah, vintage. and this vineyard did really well, the Hansberger Vineyard, because um, for 14, we didn't have low crop compared to most people. Where we saw it was in 15. Okay. So the drops that you saw in 14, they weren't as drastic. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think that's I think that's where it should be. If anybody has that wine in their cellar, though, I would pull that out and I would I would get mm -hmm. some uh, some meat on a plate and um, and 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 start uh, start drinking those up because I think they're, they're right where they should be. I so. got a 2012 for Christmas <laughs> from uh, Hansberger because uh, we don't. No, I haven't had it oh. yet, so I'm really just like the we had a reserve also for 12. So uh, oh, nice. I'm curious to see how that one's holding out. So yeah. what are you making now for Hansberger? So we do uh, Cabernet Franc, and in years that merit it, we do a Cabernet Franc Reserve. So we do have a 2016 Reserve that I'm excited about. That'll be okay. coming out um, May or June, and there 2019. Was a reserve, and there's a 15 June? Reserve okay. as well. Um, so those the two Cabernet Francs, the Rosé, the Riesling, um, the Riesling Sparkling. 
the Shula Chardonnay. Which is what's called the Handshake Series. The Handshake Series. Okay. Um, the Handshake Series has Pinot Noir also off of my vineyard. Okay, so, so Mason Vineyard yep. is also doing, so how much, so Shula, which is Martin Shula, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. Yeah, So you, I know you've covered it as fruit for a long time. Yeah, yeah. And you finally got a chance to work with it. Yeah, for it's, two years in a row. Not, oh, so I was going to say, is it coming like, back? Yeah, oh, or, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so. we've got it again this year. And um, uh, last year we did not only the Chardonnay, but we also brought in a uh, some for sparkling. Okay. So there's a Blonde de Blanc coming out. Well, look at you. <laughs> Always a surprise that yeah. you just kind of throw at me. So we just poured the 14 Reserve. Now, just going back to what you said, you said it's mm-hmm. only in you know, really good vintages you make a Reserve. So we just talked that 14 was not a great vintage. Yeah. How do you end up making yeah. the decision to make a Reserve in 14? So this 14 is a barrel choice, and it really is one barrel that okay. really stood out. Um, when we go on to 15... I remember it's two barrels. So I split them, do a blend, and then we put them... So when we bottle the regular 15, we would blend those two and put them back to age for an extra year. So they end up with three years in aging. So this now is three years. So it had obviously one year longer than the other one. And this is a best barrel. Okay, so this is a single barrel Cabernet Franc from 14, which again, not a great vintage, but you thought this this barrel stood out. Yeah. And that, that seems to always be the way. There's even yeah. if in a bad vintage, there's also some barrels or some somebody's fruit yeah. that always seems to be a little bit more mm-hmm. exciting. We didn't do it in thirteen. That's the okay. So thirteen was number twelve. So you've mm-hmm. done it in twelve, fourteen, oh, yeah, 12 fifteen, 16. Yeah. sixteen. Got it. What about seventeen? Is it going to be one in seventeen? Ooh, there's thoughts. Too yeah. Too soon to Too tell. Too soon to tell. Yeah. Really, yeah. So we're sniffing away here at this mm-hmm. glass. Now this, this nose is different, isn't it? Is. it? It's, like, it's definitely different. There's there's a little bit... It's richer and... Yeah, there's richer, full... I think there's a little more vanilla in here. So you say three years in barrel? Yeah. And was it mm-hmm. a new barrel? Mm-hmm. No, it wasn't. Okay. No, so neutral. it's an older barrel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the fruit's a little more a little more mm-hmm. up front. We're getting some, uh, some dried raspberries, even some strawberry in here, which is quite interesting. Feel free to use mm-hmm. the spittoon. Um... No, she's going to go right for it. She's I have gonna... to swallow it because I have a cold. It's the only way I can hope to get something out of this. Got it. Okay, <laughs> just checking with it. Yeah, her. it's just for health. Okay. I think there's some there's some I'm... definitely some fruit in yeah. here. Um, it has a li- I think it's starting to develop some of the things of the regular 14 were, some of that forest floor, a little bit of like a cherry tobacco note that's coming through. I think it's weightier as yes, well. There's definitely a, there's a nicer mouthfeel to this one. I didn't want to say creamy, but yeah, I think there's definitely there's uh, something to it. Mm-hmm. And the finish maybe also is a little bit, for me, different and longer. It's a lot more complex, like, from what I'm pulling out here. Yep. Now, feel free to say, no, no I don't no, think so, Kelly. It definitely has. Um, I can, it's got more to it. Than yeah. the, so a, a, a good choice to go with that with mm-hmm. that single barrel. I love this wine right now. And it's always the fun thing about these Cav Francs is um, we tend to bottle in March or April. And just because of demand, I have to release them in June for the patio, for their bistro. Um, and... I wait and I come back to the Cab Francs around Christmas time. And for me, that is when they are shine. Like they're really coming into their own finally. Okay. So, and I've, even with this, I wait a little bit longer and they're really changing uh, for the better. No. Same with, same with, the, I know you just did the, uh, the video on the 16. Yes. But that 16 now, we just hit Christmas, obviously. Yep. For me, again, right around November, December, I just get the 16 and I'm like, there you go. That's what. 
That's what you were. That's what I was for. going for. I'm waiting for it to come back. So do you? you so that's what you tasted when you, it was in barrel. Yeah, and, and then, then the bottling, and it just seems to take a bit of time to to bounce completely back. Now to the consumer, this is me from a technical standpoint, Got it. right? So we don't taste the same way. Got uh, it. People are loving it, you know, in MLI, June and right, July, right. right? But I'm seeing that this is what it should be in around Christmas time, and all we really need to do to solve that is increase the volume so that we're not running out. So there's not so much of a pressure to release, and so that's is, what I'm trying to do. Is there still some 16 on the shelf? Yes, there there's is. about a. I think there's a skid left, so a skid would be 56, 56 cases yeah. max. I'm not sure that there is that anymore. Got it. So about half a skid to a skid. Yeah, no, this is lovely. I think mm-hmm. this is really showing well, and mm-hmm. I think it could still go for another yeah. few years. So. Yeah, whereas the other one is maybe more like you were mentioning a drink now. Mm-hmm. So just just to stay keep it in the family, I guess. Let's uh, let's try the 15 um, uh, reserve. Is this okay? Correct? Yeah. So we're going to pour the 15 reserve. Now this was 15 and 16, I guess, mm-hmm. is is the time that you you made a, a big label change yeah. from the upside down tree, which is still what I look at it as. Um, it's a vine with roots, Michael. Yes, I know, but it just <laughs> when I first saw it. Um, now we've gone with a little more stylistic design. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's kind of a, a circle with a line that tells you what the what the grapes, uh, what the what the what the wine is. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what, what was the, the reason for the change? I, guess? I think the label needed some work. The packaging needed work. So when we look back to our earlier days, um, our team is really small. It was extremely small at the beginning. It was, uh, you know, just one or two of us. Um, I didn't have any time really to work on packaging very much, but Brittany had designed, Brittany is our, uh, Rob Condotta and Barb's daughter. Yeah. So Brittany had always drawn those roots and um, she took over the changing of the label because we really needed to have a finished product. I kind of felt like the wine quality was there, but we were missing on the packaging. And as much as we could do to try to grow the best grapes, make the best wine possible off that property, then you would put it in this packaging that didn't look polished. So, so I feel so like we're Brittany starting is, off two steps back. Brittany is also a chef. In, mm-hmm. uh, a and very chef. creative. Yeah, so... Which brings us to what also Hansberger brings, which is mm. that great restaurant that they have. Yeah. We've kind of alluded to it as we talk. You, you said the, on the patio. Yeah. So in the summer, they have this great patio that mm-hmm. they open up, and they have a pizza oven along with a whole lot of other things. They have pizza of the month. Yeah. Um, of the Hansberger, which I know is a, is a big hit. Yeah. Uh, your favorite is? Uh, the Papa. Which yeah, is so that's Soprasada. Yeah, that's which, my favorite. Which is actually yeah. named after... Uh, after Papa Louis, Rob's father. Well, interesting. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and, and Rob would be Rob Condotta also. Yeah, and there's the, the Gata Condotta, I yeah. think, is the one that's on the menu for that. Okay. I forget what's on it. Uh, uh-huh. I order it, too, though, sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. And then in the winter, they opened up uh, a, a restaurant, yeah, they, too. Yeah, so right now they have their restaurant open, and it's uh, it's called uh, The Small Barn. Okay. A really cozy inside, like, fireplace going great little winter hangout. Yeah. Uh, so that's another place, too. And so for them, now we're moving wine through two different restaurants. So we're moving faster. <laughs> and, and so, yeah, because you're, not, yeah. You're, op- you're open all year, all mm-hmm. season long, or all year long. Mm-hmm. And you also have the weddings. Right. And that's how they really got their start, right? It was an old farm. That is how they got their start. And they're one of the best venues right now for weddings. And that is one of their strongest business units, like for sure. They're, they've cornered that market. And how long have they been doing the weddings? 
I don't know exactly. Okay, that's fine. Um, but a long time. I mean, I've been there since 12, They and it was way before then. Yeah, because they have that. And then, that I mean, Barb had the Airbnb, the, not the Airbnb, but the bed and breakfast even during yeah. that. So I'm going to say, like, I'm going to be wrong here. Okay, uh, say fine. 2000s, like early 2000s, they were probably doing yeah. weddings on a smaller scale. Because they had the pews already set up and they're like stone or something like that. So oh, yeah. And did. it was really simple when they first yeah. started. What they have now blown that out to become is amazing. I, haven't, I guess I haven't looked. I haven't been married in eight years, so I haven't really <laughs> looked for a venue. So I'm not really, not really sure. That's good. We'll keep it that way with uh, Erica. <laughs> so, all right. So uh, we're looking now at the 15 yeah, Cabernet Franc Reserve, which... Uh, 15, great vintage, short crop. But, vintage you know, of like the century. I, I, I really think, and a lot of people talk about 16 being such a great, great mm-hmm. vintage. And I, I, I'll i say it again and I'll keep saying it. Uh, people should be buying 15s like crazy because I think it is such an underrated vintage. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really think that, uh, you know, we had a nice long growing season. It wasn't overly hot. It was hot, but it wasn't mm-hmm. overly hot. But it, uh, the fall was nice and long, so mm-hmm. everything hung. It was just one of those seasons... That that gets missed because sixteen. Everybody talks about sixteen being so hot and everything got mm-hmm. so ripe and everything like that. But I think fifteen. Really yeah, is. where fifteen really knocked it out was the September and October months. I think where it was stronger than sixteen. This is coming from someone who makes a lot of Pinot Noir, but fifteen gave us that textbook uh, fall where the winemaker was able to pick their pick date for Pinot Noir. That never happens. So of all the different blocks that, that we had to pick for, for, for um, Pinot Noir, it was sunny and dry every day. You could decide, you know what, I think I'm going to take that block on Thursday. Not only is it ripe and perfect, it's logistically it works. So unlike, We're, say, we, 18, which was just an absolute a nightmare. nightmare. Okay. A nightmare. So I really don't think I'm ever going to see 15 again. I feel like I'm going to be dead before we, Mother Nature <laughs> ever blesses us with that. And I'm okay with that. So I and I always joke around with my friends and I say, like, if I go, it's okay because I had 2015. Huh. I'm happy. This is uh, this is lovely. Like it's, uh, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm almost feeling that we committed infanticide by opening it. It's soon. So, mm-hmm. so soon. Uh, but there's a lovely spice to this wine. And again, you know, that tell pit tell note to me that is Cab Franc is, is tobacco, mm-hmm. raspberry, mm. uh, and this one has it. But mm-hmm. there's there's more going on here. I agree. Um, this still needs time. Mm-hmm. But it's even a little just the vineyard is great. I yeah. like it's just. So we got lots. There's a lot of fruit, a lot of fruit. So you said this is a two, a two barrel. So, so yeah, it's two barrels um, that really stood out as fantastic, and uh, we only do one barrel though of the reserve, okay. so twenty five cases. But in this particular vintage, uh, I had picked two, and so I took fifty percent of one barrel, fifty oh, percent okay. of the other, blended them together, and put them back to rest for another year. God, I guess that was going to be my next question: mm-hmm. is how did you come up yeah. with that? So. You can you just kind of. You taste sort of blind. Yeah. Uh, so the barrels all, someone will pull, I might pull them, but put them all into like water bottles and I don't know what's what. And you taste and you make your notes. So when something jumps out at you, it, it really does. It's not just like, oh, this is a potential. And then you, so you tasted these two barrels. You thought these two are great. And yeah. then you thought, all right, well, am I going to try and marry them? Or was there one barrel yeah. that stood over the other? And Yeah, they were both amazing. So then I, because the crazy thing is that you can have two barrels that are fantastic. So you think, let's put them together. And of course, they're going to be fantastic. Not at all. 
in winemaking. That is the biggest uh, mistake is that, or you think I'll take something that's really bad and I'll put it with something that's really good and it's going to, it's going to null out or something. Kind of be Not at all. It's a complete science and it's a mystery and you have to actually do the blends and see. So you had, two, I had, in this case, we had two good barrels and put them together and they were, they helped they each other. Yeah. And I just say that because it's top of mind because we're blending at Calus right now and we're constantly looking at that. Which brings us to talk about Domaine Kalus. Now, you have been there for how long? Uh, since 2013. So, Hansberger was 12. Uh, Kalus was 13. The farm is, I think, in... Uh, I'm trying to remember because I've always been, in one way or another, involved in the farm. Yeah, because so they Yeah, because they're vineyards. So, I think it was... Um, like I fourteen. Yeah. So yeah. at Kalus, you're like the fourteen. Assistant. I was working with them through Kalus, but one on my own. I think we're gonna say sixteen. Okay. So the farm, you're on your own now. Yeah. Okay. Hansberger, you're on your own. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you're on your own over at your own vineyard. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, Kalus, <laughs> you actually have you know uh, one of the all stars yeah. of um, of Ontario winemaking and I do. Um, in Thomas Batchelder. Yeah. And um, I've, I've sat down with both of you to taste the, mm-hmm. the Kalu stuff, and it's a lot of fun to watch you two banter back and forth mm-hmm. uh, uh, and talk about the wine. Um, and Thomas is a very, for anybody who doesn't know Thomas Batchelor, he's a, he's a presence. He mm-hmm. can dominate a room and co- dominate a conversation. So it's interesting now to have you one-on-one and talk about Kalu's wines from, and, and I don't know if this is, is wrong, but from a female perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, cause, uh, cause Thomas really brings, uh, a, a male dominance when he talks to, uh, to him about them. And it's, it's now fun to get, uh, a female perspective. And since I'm on that topic, what is it like? I don't know if this is probably, I, I know what you're going to ask be, me. I may be cutting this one out somehow, <laughs> Yeah. but what is it like being a female winemaker? Oh, that's not at all what I thought you were oh. going to ask me. What is it like being a female winemaker in a an industry that is mostly dominated by men? Yeah, um, I think uh, I'm not. I can, obviously I cannot speak globally no. because I can imagine that in some countries it's really challenging. Yeah, um, here uh, I can only speak from my experiences, and I've been really fortunate to work with a lot of male mentors who are fantastic like people like thomas batchelder uh, sebastian jacquet um he's at megalomaniac right now and uh through hansberger craig mcdonald is also there so like these are three stand-up amazing guys and great winemakers as well um so i don't know you do notice it because you'll sit at a table and there'll only be one or two women at the table um I'm seeing a shift in that right now, which is really interesting. Uh, I think through Niagara College and Brock, uh, interns that are applying, there's a lot more uh, women that are getting involved in winemaking. So I think that's we're in a shift right now where it's maybe going to even out because I think we only have about 18% or so, so women like in Ontario. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shift in, in yeah. But otherwise, um, I think here in Ontario, um, I don't know if there's like a really big difference. There's maybe a physical difference sometimes because the job is very physical. Uh, so I think the number one thing if you're a female in this industry is figure out how you can move things around and lift and roll barrels and get into tanks and pumps and hoses. Use your weight. You kind of do like a fulcrum method. Make sure you know how to do that. So I always say to like young girls starting out, if you're not sure how to flip a toad over or how to, you can do it. Let me show you tricks or use your weight. 
like physically there is a challenge there's for a sure challenge. for women. There's a, you know, and if you happen to be a really tall woman and you're like at least like five ten, I mean that's just an amazing advantage yeah. to you as well. But otherwise, um, palate wise and tasting, you know, there's all these. I've read lots of articles as well, and I don't know if that's true. I, women I mean, have a better better. Palate. Yeah, I yeah I don't. Really, I don't know. Yeah, have you ever done the super tasters test or anything yes, like that? Yes, yes. I love arugula and drink bourbon, so I'm the super taster. So you're a super taster? Yeah. Oh, there you yeah. go. All right. Yeah. So what did you think I was going to ask you? I thought you were going to ask me, um, so I've done a lot of stuff with Thomas. Tell me, what is it like to work with Thomas yeah, Hatchel? Oh, that is a good question. What is it like to work with Thomas? <laughs> well, he's, he's, yeah, well, you know him. Well, for people who maybe don't know him as well, he is larger than life. Yes. He is. Uh, and, uh. I'm really fortunate to have had the shot that I did in 2013 to learn from him. That I never forget. Um, and he's a great blender and a great winemaker. Uh, he's always happy. And I love that about him. Yep. Uh, it makes working with someone such a pleasure. I think I'm always happy as well. Yep. Like, you know. Um, so that dynamic for us, I think, worked really well because he's not uptight at all. Uh, he rolls with the punches better than anybody I know. Uh, I am someone that is super organized and very like particular. Um, so we had to like, I think we complement each other really well. So I try to learn from him how to be a little more laid back. Got it. <laughs> um, and uh, and you just have to get ready for Thomas. I mean, I know you've done podcasts We've with done him. Four with him. So and you we have still to... have not finished his history. <laughs> you have to keep him on track. Oh <laughs> you have yeah, to try. Thanks. But we're like six years together, uh, and uh, and we worked a lot together in the beginning years because, of course, he had, I, like, I was leaning on him a lot in those first years, and he was always there for me in teaching. Um, and we would just joke, like everyone says, that's my that's my work wife. Yeah. You know, so Mary and I would talk, and Tom, there was the three of us, and it was just we were constantly so Mary working being his together. Wife. Yeah. Yes. And I'm the other wife, you know. And if I needed to get something out of Thomas, I called his wife. <laughs> So, and that's funny because uh, I think that um, Andre at one point called me his, uh, obviously wife would not have been the right thing, but he says my, my, my work partner yeah. or something, my work, my life's work partner or something like that. Yeah. It was just really, yeah. was really sweet of Andre and we got to bring him in at some point. Yeah. So um, now we're going to talk Calus and most people, when they, they think about uh, Domaine Calus, mm-hmm. they think about uh, Pinot and Chardonnay. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously that's what you think of when you think of Thomas, you know, mm-hmm. Beaujean was Pinot Chardonnay. Yeah. Um, Calus Pinot Chardonnay, Thomas yes. just in general, his own stuff, Pinot yep. and Chardonnay, uh, from Oregon, from Niagara, from France. Uh, he's even doing it now in Chile from what I mm-hmm. tasted his stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but you brought along a Cabernet Franc, which people I would think would find that odd that you would bring something from Calus that is, that mm-hmm. is Cabernet Franc. I have tasted Cabernet Francs from Calus mm-hmm. before and I'm always very impressed with them. Mm-hmm. Never thought I would, I would taste a, a Thomas Batchelder uh, Cabernet Franc. I always thought it was going to be Pinot and, and Chard. Mm-hmm. And then this year he also surprised us with a Gamay, which I was just uh, oh, again thrilled with. Mm-hmm. Stunningly good. So uh, tell us uh, why Cabernet Franc from Calus, why you brought this wine along. It is the mm-hmm. 2016 Reserve du Domaine. I know we are known for Pinot Noir and uh, Chardonnay for sure, but uh, our vineyard is down in Lincoln Lakeshore at the corner of uh, King Street and uh, Mountain View. And this site is really heavy red clay, and the Cabernet Franc has always been really good off this site as well. I'm a strong believer in Cab Franc as a varietal in Ontario. And so when I started the project, I was really excited that it wasn't only Pinot and Chard, uh, because I love working with Cab Franc. So 
even though we are known as Pinot, there's just as much attention and passion towards Cap Franc, I think, because of our history. Even Like, both Thomas and I have such a career in, in, or experience, whatever, in Pinot Noir and Chard. Having this is, is just so much more fun to play around with and make. So this this is current vintage, obviously. Or yeah, this is one of my favorites. I, I don't I don't think you've tr- tried it, and it's still young. Uh, it's very young, but it's it's, it's just so, released. So different than uh, yeah. the stuff being made at Kahn's Burger. Yeah. And um, uh, but again, sixteen. It's a completely different mm-hmm. vintage, so it's really hard I, to. I wanted to bring you the sixteen from Hans Burger, the reserve, but that's not coming out till in barrels. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So, but this is it's. Really, uh, really silky smooth. It's got mm-hmm. tannins that are mm. silky. It's, um, uh, you know, it's one of those iron fist and a velvet glove type, type mm. of thing. You know, it's just really nice spice to it as mm-hmm. well. Um, There's a creaminess to the palate on this one that is also in the 14. So it's got a weight mm-hmm. to it. So this one was three years in barrel. The 16, mm. how long in barrel? What can you tell me about? Two years. Uh, two years, and uh, there is some new oak on this as well, but we tend to keep it pretty low between 20 and 25%. Uh, the majority of it is French oak, um, French burgundy barrels is what I meant to say. We don't use a lot of Bordeaux barrels yet um, because we have the burgundy barrels also yeah. in-house. We're starting yeah. to experiment and bring in Bordeaux barrels, Bordeaux-shaped barrels. Um, and so, yeah, it's two years, and vine age as well is pretty similar between the Kalus. Uh, those were planted in 2008. Got it. And the Hansberger planted in? 2008. So they are similar. Mm-hmm. Not, not even similar. They're, they're exact. Yeah. There you mm-hmm. go. And just looking at that right now, the difference is obviously you're on Lincoln Lakeshore. I mean, this is a fun thing too, is to look at Lincoln Lakeshore, Creek Shore, um, and then because Kalus also brought in my vineyard, that's 20 Mile Bench. Okay. So really fun 2018 vintage. Uh to work with because I had a little triangle of of those three different terroirs for Cap Franc and being so close to Pinot you're always looking at terroir because Pinot obviously yep. does a great job and I'm just now this would be my first year in 2018 trying to see okay what can Cab Franc start to tell us now about the different appellations so you are working with Cap Franc in, in various yeah regions, the Creekside Creek, Creek Shore Creek Shores um, 20 Mile Lincoln Lake Shore mm-hmm. um, so it's interesting that you're seeing all these different yeah. different variations and you're always going to keep them, them different you're not going to bring them all together in, in like one big blend you're always going to no. try and keep single. If I can, as long as if I if I can, I would for sure. Got but uh, there's other people too that make those. Is that decision. the marketing department? Oh yeah, that always, <laughs> that, the marketing department <laughs> always has something to say. Yeah. So this is a lovely wine. So you said just released. Yeah, just uh, just released, and this was one that I was happy with. Like when we were making it, and when I see it finished and go to bottle, I think one of the more standout ones I think from Kalus. So you also, if I'm not mistaken, put a little bit of Merlot into this blend, do you not? Mm-hmm. So there is there is usually a little bit, and it used to be on the label, uh, but I think now you have gone to, and if, if you and Thomas explain it to me, it's because it, it falls under 15% as far as the blend goes, it so always you just does, leave yeah. it off. Yeah, we do. And, mm-hmm. and what do you think Merlot brings to this cab front? Um... The Merlot is obviously from, it's from the same vineyard down in Lincoln Lakeshore, and um, we just have a small amount of it. And I always think that, um, so Cab Franc sometimes can give you like this graphite and um, 
more of like a linear type wine and if you don't like that or if you want to round it out a little bit then here comes Merlot with this plummy berry and just and usually there's a silkiness also I find to the Merlot so you can just add a small percentage of that and it rounds it out a little bit oh, this and, is beautiful and I think uh I remember when we were tasting, I think it was the 15 vintage and Thomas was throwing out like percentages and stuff. And we're like, we're saying that he can talk about a million things at once. Right? Yes. He can, you can ask him a question about this and he'll tell you about his daughter. Have you heard the podcast spinning. with us? <laughs> yes. yes. It's like every day at work and like yeah. you hear about the spinning class and then it goes to, but he was giving you percentages and I remember, and, and I was thinking, oh, I don't remember the 15. Like, and he, I remember it's like 8%. And I went back just to check 8%. Yeah. Yeah, he also sang Barbie Girl on the podcast. Yeah, that was just... he's he's like a creative like genius, and he can remember like, like the numbers. important stuff. Yeah. yeah. So what was the um, so I, I think this I think this was closer to about eleven or so on, so uh, in this you vintage. Want to phone a friend? Give, uh, <laughs> yeah, give yeah Thomas let's a call. call. Him. Let's he call. We would, would know exactly <laughs> what it would. Be. I think we just missed what we could get him. <laughs> so, uh, a great lineup of wines, all great Cabernet mm-hmm. Franc. Um, again, Hansberger, Domaine Calus. Uh, and of, of course the farm, which mm-hmm. doesn't make Cab Franc, so they didn't they didn't make the lineup. They are going to stay diehard uh, Burgundian uh, all the way producers. Yeah, all the way. They are steadfast in that, and uh, and it's a, it's it's nice. Like I said, really focused. So a fun project to never say never because Martin Malabar <laughs> said he was never going to make Bordeaux, and suddenly he's got them on the property. I'll put money them. on it that the Newdorfs are oh. not going into Cab Franc. We oh. I could see bubbles coming down the road. Maybe I would love to do uh, some sparkling. So you uh, actually you you did mention sparkling. So there is sparkling coming out at Hansburg. Yeah, right now the Riesling is out. Correct. Um, and uh, there is a, a Blanc de Blanc from the Shula Vineyard coming. Interesting. And mm-hmm. how long is that going to stay on lease? Uh, well, it's on lease right now. So, okay. oh, so uh, we're still yeah, we're still waiting. I don't see that coming out for a little while longer. Uh, Barb just asked me today. Barb Hansberger. Uh, yeah, Barb Hansberger. And because um, she's always looking forward to more bubbles. But I, I think we've got a year before. Well, we're recording before this we on, on, on a Friday. Yeah. Uh, as everybody knows who follows me on any social media, mm-hmm. Instagram, Facebook, uh, that means it's Sparkling Wine Friday. So yes, there are bubbles in the fridge and you're awesome. going to stay for dinner. Yes, so I am. there is bubbles <laughs> in your future. That's great. So thank I you very bubbles. much, Kelly, for being here. Thanks that for having great. me, Michael. We'll... Thanks for giving me my first podcast. Well, it's... Can we do it again when I'm a little more... Sure, uh, I'd love to have you back. Maybe even Andre seasoned? would be interested in... Sure, we'll have you back for sure because there's obviously lots going on in your life. We'll, we'll bring some Chardonnay for Andre. Yes, as everybody knows, Andre loves Chardonnay. I'm a Cab Franc person. I'm a Gamay person, but then Andre mm-hmm. is too. So, oh, now let me see if I can remember what Andre does at the end of these podcasts. I haven't done them right what yet. Does he do? He, he does, plugs his uh, website. He does like, his I'm website. I'm Andre Prue, and okay, so you, you do can. It. Uh, I'm Andre Prue, and you can reach me at AndreWineReview.ca. That's his. Yeah, hey, I'm going to plug my own Instagram account here. It's the Itty Bitty Pinot Project, and I don't know what it's called. <laughs> It's called well, the Itty Bitty Project. There's a period somewhere there. Because of Brittany. Of course, Brittany would put like Itty Bitty Period Pinot Project. Yeah, or? somebody said, well, she said Brittany, who's obviously we've talked about before. Yeah. She set up the the yeah. the Instagram, but it's Itty Bitty Pinot Project. That's how I found you. I didn't know oh, Okay, about okay. See, so. see, that's how new I am to it. Yeah. Okay. So, it's just, it's, so, yeah, you can find me at my Instagram account, which is Itty Bitty Pinot Project. <laughs> I'm Michael Pincus of MichaelPincusWineReview.com. Uh, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. I get this right. That's why I leave it with Andre to do. Um, and uh, as always, good night. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to Two Guys Talking Wine on iTunes.